Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. Um, so Liz. Yes. I have some news. I have really just a warning for you. Okay. If you say something outside of the hysteria group think about coronavirus, um, I am going to call your mom. What? I I am going to have a Washington Post reporter track down your mother and ask her first how how did you raise such a horrible person and second to weigh in and write an entire article about your naughtiness. That sounds like the job of a real journalist. <laughs> yeah, so let's okay, so obviously we have so many things to talk about today. Um but we thought we'd start off, I guess, kind of lighthearted, right, with the Washington Post reporter. Um, and let's see, his name is Mark Fisher. And Mark Fisher made, um, found a man, we won't say his name, right? We'll just keep it under wraps because we're not. We don't have to say his name, yeah. Right. Who had the nerve to tweet something out about saving the economy and that that was important as much as trying to save people who were, um, you know, possible victims of COVID-19. So Mark Fisher tracked down his elderly parents <laughs> and bragged about it in a lengthy column on the Washington Post. And let's see. Um, Did you notice the title? Because the title was like, like, and then America turned on him. And it's like, did America turn on him or did you just invade his privacy? I mean, this 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 man, this poor schmuck that nobody had heard of, who only had 400 followers on Twitter. This guy's not an influencer. He's just some some dude on Twitter writing stuff. Right. right. Yes. So here's the headline. So Mark Fisher um Oh, all right. So this was his first article. Yes. So at any rate, this is the just one tiny example of the lunacy and the blowback and the revenge that reporters and lawmakers and your average Twitter uh, follower or Twitter. What would you want to call them? I call them twittiots. Twi- that's just me. Your average twittiot will <laughs> unload on you if you dare to suggest that, like perhaps today, unemployment claims for 3.2 million of our fellow Americans in one week is devastating, destructive, and has far greater consequences than dealing with the uh, consequences of a virus that no one can stop. So that's where we are. Well, I think the media is, is very happy about the unemployment numbers because they like to rip on Trump and it's a way to to hurt Trump. And it, But at the same time, they also don't want people to suggest that we go back to work either. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, where, where, where are you then? What's your what's your solution? And all you have to do is so the devastate. So we got the news today. 3.2 million people filed for unemployment claims. This is by far the highest number ever recorded. I believe 
the last one was 650,000 in one week uh, after the right as the 2008 recession began. Um, it exceeded most experts predictions. Shocking, right? Because we know the experts are always right about everything. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. And of course, it doesn't include people who are suffering, small business owners, etc., who uh, have not been measured in the economic uh, uh, downfall of the almost nationwide quarantine to try to stop a virus that can't be stopped. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I have a look on my face like that emoji where the person is shrugging, you know, like, yes, I'm shrugging. I don't know. I, I'm not sure how this is going to change if we're just supposed to keep every our co- country locked down. So only grocery stores and the federal government can operate and everyone else has to shut down or and I'm sorry, and the healthcare system. And everybody else is just shit out of luck. We're, I think employment number unemployment numbers are going to be much higher. Be, th- th- that's just a tiny fraction of the people that got in. I, from what I understand, a lot of this, there was problems with the system because it was completely overloaded. So we don't really know. There's probably people that tried and couldn't even officially file. But th- this, is, this is where we are. We're either shut down. Or we're working. And <clears throat> I think for the American people, it's a terrible tragedy. The media, which are clowns, <clears throat> because now they've been, uh, you know, are, are, are now engaging in, you know, writing stories about the equivalent of like a bathroom graffiti, right? That's what Twitter really is, right? They're tracking down the parents of a, gra- a bathroom graffiti writer. Um, they're... They love the sensationalism and the tabloid. You know, they're very tabloidy now. So this is great material for them. But it still doesn't change the fact that, you know, most of our country is out of work and they're hurting. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't really know what to say. You, you have to you have to pick. Nobody wants to pick because they've not not the media. I don't count them, but the regular person is is conflicted because they've been really hyped up that this is extraordinarily dangerous and so they don't want to say well i guess we'll just have to have some people get sick but i need my job we'll see how much longer that lasts but i think at this point right now when we're what what is this date 10 in our 15 day to clean hands or whatever that program is mm-hmm. um we'll we'll see w- where they are in another another two weeks well, yes. I mean, it, it's going to be frightening to see where we are in two weeks. I think economically far scarier than what we're seeing with coronavirus because now we are learning that many of the models, including the Imperial College model, that was the basis for the most extreme, outlandish, uh, inconceivable predictions of death and doom from coronavirus. Now, the author of that paper is significantly walking that back. Um, And there are other studies, other reporting that was used to bolster these draconian, tyrannical measures, liberty crushing, constitutional right crushing uh, measures that lawmakers on both sides of the aisle 
right? Republicans and Democrats have instituted and enacted and are trying to one-up each other on it. So the data is garbage. Um, what You know, Liz, what really drove this, and we have to be honest, are the scenes out of Italy, right? That's what panicked everyone. And then you have something called confirmation bias, which are people who believe that that situation in Italy was going to be reproduced on a higher magnitude here in the United States. And then they were looking for data to back that up. So, of course, you have activist scientists or so-called experts, government people who are happy to just slap shot some numbers together um, and to to support that confirmation bias that the situation in Italy was going to happen here. Um, Or even China, because we saw a lot of terrible images from China, too. And then when it jumped into the Western world, I think that made it even more real um, for for our tabloid media that wants clicks and like sensationalism. so yeah. we're here now, I'll, you know, the country is shut down, people are filing for unemployment, small businesses are either going bankrupt on the verge of bankruptcy. We have no solid date of when this is going to end. Trump said something about getting it going before Easter, which is still two more than two weeks away. That's a eternity for people who are out of work, who can't pay their bills, who can't pay their employees. So... He even got slammed for that. Meanwhile, outside of New York City, um, none of this outbreak is anywhere close to the numbers that we've been told. And as you and I have discussed and I've written about, there's a very good chance that this outbreak, the worst of this outbreak, occurred last month in February. And we are on the downside rather than the upside of the so-called curve. Well, the media is taking advantage. I think I don't know if the media knows that because some of them are dumb, but what they have taken to do is constantly tout the increasing number of cases of people who are testing positive for the Chinese virus. But we've also (laughs) ramped up our testing. So obviously more people will be positive because we're testing more people to find out that they're positive. But those are the big numbers, right? Over 100,000 globally, over, I don't know what the number is in the U.S. I can't, I can't even keep up with, I, you know, it's kind of macabre to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. they, they, they keep touting that number. But what that doesn't really affect the system. What affects the system our hospitalizations because they use our resources and then fatality rates. So the more people that test positive and the lower, the, the smaller percentage of people that are going into the hospital and ultimately are, you know, dying from this virus, the less potent the virus is. So, so we, we want more people to have it and less people to go to the hospital and to, to to die from it but that's not the way that this is being looked at this isn't being treated as a actual health crisis and a scientific issue this is being treated as a political exercise that is being exploited by the democrats and by uh you know the other their cohorts the environmentalists the climate change people that are using the same playbook it's it's the same same people trying to get the same 
to get the results that they've been fighting for on other fronts. So it's not really, unfortunately, it's no, people aren't getting the honest information and they're not getting told the actual state of things on the ground. And that's not to say that New York isn't being taxed right now. New York is <clears throat> there. There, We definitely have a shortage of um, protective equipment for our people on the front line, like nurses and doctors, nurses, aides, ambulances. We don't have masks. We don't have, we're running out of gowns. We're running out of all these things and we're running out of hospital equipment. But so, so yes, our system is being taxed, but the question is how much different is the what we know about the coronavirus and again this is kind of ongoing because according to the media this just started on march 1st um and we're not looking at february or january or december or probably november since i think that we weren't told the truth about when china discovered this and um so people are being very misled about what is actually happening and i don't and that is so that we can have people scared to death and and willing to accept that we shut that we shut things down. That that's my two cents. Right. And so there's finally some kind of modeling coming out. There was um, a column in The Wall Street Journal this week that uh, predicted or suggested as many of as six million Americans already have been infected with coronavirus. Of course, the vast majority, overwhelming majority, have not expressed any symptoms whatsoever. So we have some, and in fact, there was also an article in The Atlantic of somebody who is trying to weaponize it against Trump, but also admitting that this virus, we know that this virus at the very latest was in the United States in mid-January. Because the first reported case, confirmed case out of Washington state, was reported on January 21st. If you look at the travel patterns, especially out of China and in Asia, Southeast Asia, people who are leaving Wuhan, traveling to other major cities, and the likelihood traveling to places like San Francisco, Seattle, and of course New York City, um, it makes perfect sense that this virus has been here for at least two months. There's, there's no way it hasn't, it hasn't been here. It's just not, it's not possible. It's impossible. <laughs> it's, right. it's absolutely not possible. Um, I don't, I don't know if you follow any celebrities, Julie, but um, Idris oh. Elba, I don't really follow celebrities, but I do follow some celebrities. And one is Idris Elba. Um, he was the star of the wire. He's the star of Luther. He's a great actor. He's, um, came out, I think, a week ago and said that he tested positive for coronavirus. Well, he's like, I had some aches and a fever. Right. That's it. So if you if if, go back to February and if you think you have aches and a fever, what do you what are you going to think you have? Are you going to go to the hospital? No, you're probably not. I'm so people have it's there's no way this virus hasn't been here for since at least November. And there's no way people didn't get it. It, it. It's just not possible. It's just that now the media is shining a light on it. Everything is getting exaggerated or played up. And it's just, it's, it's so, it's so irresponsible. It's just so irresponsible that the it media is, is doing this. It is irresponsible. And, um, 
so it, and if you do look at some of the CDC data, I know I'm like a broken record on this, but it looked like in mid-February, there was a huge spike in the number of Americans who visited healthcare providers with complaints of influenza-like symptoms. And so we know the coronavirus, COVID-19 illness, the symptoms mimic that of the flu. Um, so there's other data to support the fact that this has already been here. Plus, it's just common sense and it's science. That's how viruses work. Well, right? remember, we're told this is extraordinarily contagious to the point where you're not supposed to take a walk in the park if there's <laughs> another human being in your in your in your vision, right? In your in your eyesight. That's what we're told. We're told you have to stay six feet away at least from people. There's marks on the on the sidewalk and. Uh, little places where people are allowed to stand as they wait in their bread line to get maybe some toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Just kidding that you can't get that at all or their eggs or milk or whatever that it's that contagious. And yet we had hundreds of thousands of people coming in and out from China for three months after this was discovered and nobody has it. I don't think so. Well, and let's let's zone in on New York City and New York State. Okay, so what has been revealed, even though Andrew Cuomo is now heralded as like the new hot throb or heart throb, you know, he is the leader that we all need and want. He's such a steady hand. He's handled it so well. His press briefings are must watch TV every day. What he has revealed is that the country's largest city, the country's most densely populated city, a the financial capital of the world, a tourist attraction, uh, an academic attraction, international business hub has no plan to deal with a viral outbreak of any kind. And he and Mayor de Blasio not only dragged their feet, they did. They were obstinate in the face of the White House trying to get things done. And so all of a sudden, and I just watched an interview with Bill de Blasio March 1st when they detected their first case, which is, again, ridiculous to think that it hadn't already been. It was there for a long time, for several weeks at least, um, downplaying the threat to New Yorkers about this um, and admitting that they have no comprehensive plan. Furthermore, the shortfalls in ventilators, the lack of preparedness and supplies at their hospitals, especially in New York City, has been an issue for years that they have ignored. There's a huge study from 2015 showing 24-hour wait times in emergency room, lack of supplies, lack of appropriate staff, especially in public hospitals. This didn't just, you know, appear because of Orange Man Bad in the White House. This is something that New York Cuomo and de Blasio have ignored for years and did not prepare for it. Why is Andrew Cuomo just now asking for more ventilators? Why wasn't this something he was doing back in January? Why is he now wanting the national stockpile of our emergency backup supplies for New York City when he should have done this as soon as this outbreak outbreak began? Well, the same things you could say about Trump and that they do, that he wasn't prepared, that the national stockpile is short, that he didn't do enough. You can say about de Blasio and and Cuomo a thousandfold. It's the same situation. So if you want to say that Trump didn't prepare the U.S. by restocking our stockpiles that were depleted by Obama and never replenished, it's a million times more for Cuomo and, and de Blasio. It just is. We're, we're not hearing that. And I think that the media is propping up Cuomo 
um, as a foil for Trump, but also maybe if Joe Biden doesn't make it to, you know, the next next election milestone that they can wheel in Cuomo. But that doesn't change the fact that this man runs a city that is larger than some countries and that he wasn't prepared either. He wasn't prepared. And in fact, there is a tweet that's going around from his health. uh, I think one of the state's health directors, I I don't have the, I'm going to look it up, see if I can find it Um, where he's basically mocking the Wuhan flu. And there was some big Chinese festival. I don't know if it was for the new year or something. And this was the second, first or second week of February. Yeah, it was, it was Chinese new year. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, which I'm trying to find the tweet, uh, but, um, Basically saying, look, we are defying this world, (laughs) this growing pandemic, and we're getting all of these possibly infected people from all over the world together to celebrate and, you know, screw you, Donald Trump or anybody else who is trying to make this a political issue. Well, didn't they Um, have the um, didn't they have a St. Patrick's Day parade also or event? I don't know. I I can't remember. So I believe so. Okay, so that was um, the 17th. How many days ago was that? That was little over a little over a week ago. They were sanctioning a massive get together without any regard for the world's most contagious pathogen that's ever been in existence, according to them. And they just put let's get everybody together in a really small space. Oh, and let's get them drunk because it's St. Patrick's Day. She was when they'll make really good choices. Um, And we're just going to put them together. That's that's what New York did. So and we don't hear any criticism, really any loud criticism of that. No, we don't, because he's supposed to be the antidote to uh, Donald Trump, which, of course, he isn't. And maybe once the dust settles, if it ever does, um, and some people are pushing back. I'll have an article on Cuomo's lack of preparedness tomorrow. Tucker Carlson had a great riff on how New York was not prepared for this at all. Um Cuomo the other day said maybe it wasn't a great idea to close all the schools and colleges, um, but it, you know, it happened at a moment of crisis and panic and they weren't really sure how to respond. So maybe it wasn't a great idea to have a bunch of like healthy kids who could be carriers go home to grandma or grandma and grandpa's or their parents' house for a solid next five months and infect them. So the poor planning is just up and down the board. But it doesn't matter because he stands up there in front of boxes of medical supplies and tells sweet stories about his mother not being expendable. So everybody swoons and we're not supposed to forget that he's endangered the lives of his citizens and really everyone in the United States for what he's done. I don't know. I'm just like shaking my head. I'm just like, I know, I know. We're so tired of this whole subject. I have coronavirus fatigue, which is probably going to also be a recognized condition soon. So um, I just want to socially distance from this crazy, this madness <laughs> and this irrational, this irrationality, um, because now and I'm sure you know that, Julie, that people make bad decisions in a state of panic. And that's what has been happening for the last couple months and that has been present that is present in our with our elected officials who have passed this leviathan of a bill um we know some of the things in it that are 
supposed to be a relief for the American public and different industries and also people who have been basically forced out of making an honest living. And they will be getting, I guess, something like twelve hundred dollars for a single person who makes under ninety nine thousand dollars a year and then double that if you're married and then five hundred dollars for each child. So let's say you you're you, you get three thousand dollars out of this. You're married and you have two kids. So that's three thousand uh, dollars. OK, then right. what? Then what? Then what? Because right. you're not going to have a job to go back to if this continues. And most of them of America is employed by a small to medium sized business. So those are going to be gone. Those jobs will if some of them will maybe remain. But I don't know how much longer a small business can sustain with no revenue and paying. I mean, they have not only do they have no revenue. It's not like they don't have any costs. Right. They still have to pay rent or eventually they're going to have to pay rent. They probably have inventory. If you're a restaurant, you have food you've already paid for. You have vendors. You're you're you you still have some kinds of costs. And then and then what's going to happen in month two? I mean, how how long are we going to take 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 off from reality here and think that we're just going to snap back? These people aren't going to have jobs left. And so. Are we going to do another two trillion dollar bill? Uh, right. How often? And where is this money coming from? I mean, I hate to ask another restaurant, yep. person, but where is this coming from? Who's paying? Who's going to pay the bill for this eventually? Obviously, the the very rich. I'm using air quotes because that's always the solution. We're just we'll just tax the corporations. Um, I. I don't know. The big corporations, many of them are doing quite well. Amazon's doing well. Walmart's doing well. Um, some of these companies that are emergency services that people are turning to in their times, Costco's probably doing great. Uh, these these places are doing fine, but you can only take everybody's money once, <laughs> and then that money is gone. So That's right. where are you going to keep? How are you going to keep paying people? And what I don't hear talked about are the consequences, the psychological consequences of robbing someone of the ability to make an honest living. We're not hearing about what happens when you can't, you, you can't take care of your family. And that's right. That's when people start killing themselves. And everyone made fun of Trump when he made that comment about how suicides go up. Suicides will absolutely happen when if you're a small business owner and you've seen your family legacy wiped out, or what you've built for your children wiped out and now you can't take care of them. And how are you going to pay their health care costs? Because, of course, if you have no revenue, you can't pay for insurance. Right. So now you don't have health insurance. There's a whole chain of events. Many some are unpredictable and some are not that we're not talking about because everybody wants to say the most important thing is we shut ourselves in and wash our hands over and over again to get rid of this virus, which may or may not turn out to be as bad as the flu or worse. I don't know. Well, and more alarming is Dr. Fauci admitting yesterday that there will definitely be a second wave of this. Um, There won't be enough time to test a vaccine or even for a lot of people to trust in a vaccine by late fall of this year. 
So the second wave hits again and everyone panics again. And then what? We shut down the country. Well, so the flu. So the flu again, just like every year, the flu comes back and tens of thousands of people die from the flu. Right. It happens. Some of them get very sick and they need ventilators and they need hospitalization. I mean, people don't just die from the flu in their home. That right. right. They're they're usually admitted into the hospital for severe conditions and they've gotten pneumonia, which is a very, you know, deadly condition to have. So it's gonna come back just like H1N1 comes back every year, just like influenza B comes back every year. It's going to come back. The question is. Will we learn from this in hindsight? Once this is over, if it's ever over, I don't know. Right. Um, once this is over, will we be able – do we have the the guff to objectively look back and say, let's look at how this happened, what we know, what what's effective against it to mitigate it when it comes back in the fall? Can we even do that? And I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical that we can do that. Well, that we'll be able to do that because the media is so jacked up on hyping this up because they love sensation. And you have a lot of these um, scientists that are or activists masquerading as scientists and authorities that are pushing a certain agenda that isn't necessarily a strict public health agenda that are going to pile on to that. So really, the question is, if we know this is coming again, what can we look what have we learned and what can we do to mitigate it the next time? And I just do not see that happening in the climate today. No, not at all. Um, And especially even be recovered. Will we even be recovered when it comes back from this? Because every day and every week that we shut every single thing down is is makes it less and less likely that we'll be able to just pick up and start over the way you you know turn the key in the in your ignition in the car and get it moving and there are a lot of people and people that i respect and people that i know are very smart who have um supported this shutdown and bought into the hysteria with the caveat that Well, once we're flattening the curve or whatever, the goalposts keep changing now. That's going to change again, flattening the curve. Um, It'll be something else that the economy will just start, you know, humming back and all these people are going to be rehired and we're just going to be better and stronger than ever. And, of course, it raises the logical question based on what? First of all, we're in economic territory based on these unemployment numbers that we've never seen before, ever. So, What is the basis? Let's say we move to mid-April. We have somewhere 10 to 12 million unemployment claims by that point. And that's only one reflection of the joblessness and impact on small business. And suddenly everybody goes, oh, okay, well, gee, we didn't get all the deaths that we thought we were going to get. And it doesn't look as um, contagious as it is. It's certainly not as lethal as we were told. So let's just, you know, like you said, flip the switch, get the economy going again. Think magically it's going to get back to where it was in even February. There's no guarantee of that at all. And so um, I think that that's just I'm surprised at the number of people, people who we know and that I trust who have really suspended just their common sense and logic on this. I think people are scared. I I do think that people are are scared. And part of that is because. We did see such horrifying images and stories out of Italy where where they're not even 
admitting, you know, they're not even, I guess they're just leaving anyone who's over the age of 60, like to die alone in an alley or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard these horrifying and terrible stories. And so, and so people are, are scared, which makes it, which will make it even harder to start the economy up again. Let's just say Easter is the day, right? Let's, let's say that Trump wants it to start by Easter. Trump's going to say, okay, go right on Easter. Well, there's a bunch of things that are going to happen. The first thing is that a bunch of asshole states are going to be like, nope, you're still on lockdown. So that's going to be a problem. So you have that. Um, You're going to have people that are too scared to go to work. So I know somebody, actually someone I follow on Instagram. um, She works in New York City in retail. She's great. I'm not going to name who it is. Um, But she's like sobbing that before they shut it down that she was going to have to go to work because she was so terrified she was going to get get sick. So you're dealing with a bunch of people, a large chunk of the population that is absolutely scared to death. So even if you say, okay, it's go time, is how many people are are going to be like, all right, I'm ready, let's go. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be terrified and they're not going to want to go. And they'll say, I'm just going to go on unemployment. I'm going to stay on unemployment until this is over. Right. Without realizing that it's not ever going to be over. Well, that's right. Right. Well, it would it would be it. Look, we we can just compare the way the H1N1 outbreak in 2009 was was portrayed versus the outbreak of the coronavirus, which are absolutely night and day. And you didn't see anybody terrified that they might get the flu after the H1N1 outbreak happened. You didn't see people saying, I'm afraid to go work in West Elm now because I'll be around people and they might have the flu. No, nobody was saying that in 20, not, in 2009 or 2010, 2011. And of course, the H1N1, we don't have vaccine. When we have a flu vaccine, it doesn't always work and people still catch and get sick from the H1N1 flu but now it's it's a totally different story so you have a bunch of people that are going to be so scared that they would rather that they would rather stay home and and just get unemployment rather than risk what they think risking their lives for this that is absolutely true and the um i mean i am gonna fault the white house I do think that Trump's initial instincts on this were right. I think he was right to compare it to a flu. I think it was right to say we're going to contain it. I think the travel ban to China was huge. Putting the task force together was was use, was very useful at that point. Um, I do think that he's let some of these so-called experts, and I think Fauci has had some good moments and some bad moments, because we literally went from, in the span of about 72 hours, Social distancing from people who were ill, encouraging people who didn't feel well to stay home, um, encouraging employers who had ill employees to allow them to stay home. Literally to 72 hours, no gatherings of more than 50 people for the next eight weeks, which that's prompted the shutdown of, you know, the NBA season, the uh, delay. All the sports. Yeah, everything. Madness. The Olympics. What? The Olympics. Olympics. Now you have basically every college graduation across the country is canceled, which I know people are like, oh, well, who cares? You want Mima to die or do you want to get your diploma on stage? These are life's big moments, right? So the psychological impact of canceling weddings, canceling graduations, canceling family reunions, not being able to go see grandma in the nursing home where she has 
is sitting there dying of loneliness without any risk of getting coronavirus necessarily. I mean, these are deep uh, psychological and emotional wounds that will take a long time, you know, to, for tons of millions of people to hear to heal from. And so, um, so it, but that's all prompted by the CDC. So we were told 14 days, 15 days of distancing, flatten the curve. And now it went to, they're closing down beaches. I mean, they're t- closing down pools. And I'm in Florida right now. They shut down the tennis courts. Why? Because they're animals. Shutting, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, they're suspending boat rentals. You can't even go out on the water now. There's no science to back that up. And unfortunately, the White House and the CDC or Fauci are not coming out and clarifying what these guidelines really are. They are letting the inner tyrant, whether it's at the federal level, a state, a governor, a mayor or your homeowners association president, the inner tyrant of everybody is being exposed. And they are going way past what even the harsher kind of unnecessary CDC guidelines have been. Well, you know, if you can go into the grocery store and go shopping, I don't know why you can't play tennis, right? Like what's the difference or going and and it's, it's not even these agencies and I'll get to the CDC in a minute, but it's these, the pub, my, my, I hate them. Um, but it's also these sort of Gladys Travis's asshole people that are getting in your face if they see you outside, right? There's all these little police, police, little deputy police officers that are like, how dare you go out and run or you go out and ride your bike or go do parkour in the, right. in, the in the, and, and all of this sort of shaming with these deputized little busybodies. Um, it's, and then people are freaked at going into stores saying, how dare you're open? Hey, dude, don't go in. You're a big person. If you think that there's a bunch of contagious people in there, then get stay out. That's you, right. You, you see it on social media. I see it on the kind of, you know, Karen on Facebook. Who's, <laughs> I, well, I drove by the park and there were four kids and they were just sitting there reading books and six feet apart. But so what? You know, literally that I've seen people say these similar things over and over again it just speaks to how much disinformation is out there and the cdc which has just effed this up from the start they're the idiots that mess the test up they're part of the fda which refused to give any private entities the ability you know the 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 go signal to develop tests to to do certain um you know make innovative progress on how to handle this disease. They dragged their feet. They finally gave one company the ability to make a test a week ago, a week ago. And right. but before then it was only, they would only allow CDC approved labs to do this. So we were behind on the testing. Why are we listening to these people anymore? I don't know. And I mean, <laughs> for those, and I know you've covered <clears throat> The CDC and the vaping issue, I've covered climate change issues and um, the dietary guidelines and a genetically oh. engineered crop. So you and I have some kind of, you know, we were up to the shtick of these scientific yeah. agencies. So we know how much they they lie. We know that these agencies are embedded with environment, environmental uh, radicals and 
uh, as you would just say, you know, the Kravitzes of the world who want to tell everybody how to live their lives. That's certainly the case of the World Health Organization, which is an agency openly hostile to American interests and filled with climate change propaganda. So we could see how this all fits together. The idea of bad science, flawed modeling, um, activists who uh, are the so-called experts behind. Didn't they tell Trump not to shut down China flights? Like, didn't they counsel Trump not to shut down any airplane travel into the United States from coming from China that that was there was a lot of pushback there was a lot of pushback from that yes which now seems like the single most consequential action that anybody has taken to do that um so there's plenty of reason for people to be highly skeptical for all of these for everything that's being done um, in the name of saving grandma and grandpa from dying of coronavirus, which, by the way, according to the latest New York data, more than 95 percent of the so-called deaths from COVID-19 are people who had other underlying medical issues. So it's like comorbidity. Can you really say, for example, in Florida, the three or four 90 plus year olds who died of coronavirus, did they did they really die from that? Or were, was it old age just precipitated by a bad virus? Or was it so. their, um, you know, congestive heart failure coupled right. with emphysema and diabetes and obesity? Again, not to downplay the severity of, you know, losing a loved one, but we also have to take a realistic picture of what we're, what is out there and exactly how this disease is, in fact, affecting our society in order to make good decisions. And it seems like the first decision was was rash and panic based instead of saying, how can we keep our our society running and functioning while protecting the people who most need it? And that sounds that's a question that was probably doesn't seem like it was ever asked. It was just like, oh, shut it down. Just shut it down. So at some point, somebody needs to stand up, and I we've talked about this. So like I said, I, I escaped my home state of Illinois, which, by the way, the mayor right now shut down the lakefront, if you can imagine that. <laughs> he, he shut the lake down. She. Okay. she oh, she. she, right. Okay. So I we escaped to Florida just in the nick of time. Um, but look, Florida, outside of Miami-Dade area, there's nothing happening here. I mean, the hospitals, there are tens of thousands of beds available. Um, there's no waiting lines. They have ICU. They have a backup plan in case something happens. And this is obviously a state with the biggest vulnerable, highest vulnerable population. Um, so why wouldn't Governor DeSantis take a lead and say we are graduate? He hasn't done a statewide shutdown, but look, the bars the restaurants are shut down. A lot of stores have shut down because, of course, they're connected to restaurants. Um, the streets are basically empty. It's an eerie feeling being here. And I've come to this area for more than 30 years during like spring break since I was a kid. Um, and it's eerie to drive through here and see no traffic and see all these restaurants empty, to see the beaches empty. The hotel next to our condo is a Ritz and it's shut down now until June 1st. All of those people are out of work and we're told to go on unemployment. So for what? I mean, yeah. 
So at some point, some of these governors are going to have to step up and take the lead. I mean, Trump is responsible for 50 states. These governors are basically responsible for one. So we'll see if in the next, you know, several days, somebody will finally bring some sanity, common sense and science to this. I doubt it. I know. I doubt it. La la la. Dear diary. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about hologram Joe Biden. Nailed it. Let's talk about hologram Joe Biden, who I is call him Max Headroom, the Max Headroom. He, that's a really good. He's had too much Botox. Do you don't you think there's something wrong with his forehead? I think there's something wrong with his. Well, head. among Here. other things, but just visually. Right. When you look at him in his basement live streaming <laughs> over Botox, I think. And just really he's just yeah. fighting so hard to get into the conversation. Um, a lot of people say, oh, we need a leader. We need a leader. You know, Trump's horrible. He's not a leader. He's an idiot. And then Joe Biden just disappeared for what, like 10 days. Nobody saw or heard from him. Right. right. And now now he's live streaming and he's doing different some some selected media appearances. And those are worse than if he had just stayed invisible. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's hard to it, it, first of all, it's hard to watch. Right. It's not even that amusing anymore. It's just very difficult to watch this. And um, so he keeps having these, uh, like you said, little interviews. He was on with Nicole Wallace the other day and um, it was just painful to watch. And she's just like swooning over him, right? Like, oh my God. What's your favorite color? I nailed this interview with Joe Biden. Like nobody wants to talk to the guy. So there you go. And then he did some happy hour last night. I guess like, like 2,400 people were tuned in. Like that was it. And they're (laughs) probably all Russian bots too. They probably weren't even, they're probably from the Macedonian troll farm. They're probably not real. (laughs) And he still can't get the declaration of independence. Right. And um, he's offered no solutions. He's taking credit for things that Trump has already done like weeks ago. But here's what I found really just outrageous in his interview with Nicole Wallace. He's trying to express sympathy for, at that point, the 600 people who allegedly have died from coronavirus. Right. And his heart just goes out to them. Hey, Joe Biden, you know, as the old saying goes, how many people have you did you kill? As you were vice president or Senate, how many kids did you send off to war who died in your promotion of every single war in the Middle East? Over well, they were droning everybody. Remember, Obama was droning right. everybody, everybody. And how many people died of H1N1, which he couldn't even get it right? So did you ever, did your heart ever go out to those people, to any of the families of the thousands of soldiers that you sent off to die, or the tens of thousands who have been injured, or the 12,000 who died of swine flu? No. So here he is in just the most twisted way, trying to pin the deaths of those people on Donald Trump. Well, will anybody who interviews him ever ask him, why didn't the Obama administration replenish the um, our stockpile of N95 masks? Because they didn't after it, they ran, they used them during the H1N1. Will anyone ask him that? No one's going to even ask him a hard question the way that they have like 50 people doing microscopic investigations on every syllable out of Trump's mouth. Biden's not going to get that treatment. But also, Julie, 
I think he doesn't even really know what's going on. <laughs> I don't think Biden really I don't I don't think he's alert. Right. You know, he just they just kind of wheel him out and assemble him or click on the hologram Joe Biden and you know he he yesterday he was talking about how he was a professor after um you know he was in the Senate he was like well I was a professor at University of Pennsylvania and it's like no after you were in the Senate you were the vice president but oh my god I know I what know. <laughs> <laughs> you taught in between your gig as U.S. Senator and vice president and you got some I- honorary degree or something from the back of Rolling Stone. And it's not like he was in a classroom teaching anybody. Um, but it just that's such a weird thing to say, too. You know, if they're asking, you know, to, to even bring that up, a lot of these luminaries and thought leaders, political celebrities and thought leaders, they're given honorary degrees like Oprah and and, and I guess yeah, Joe. Right. But right. like it's just. It's just kind of a joke. They're not walking around campus wearing tweed coats and wire frame glasses, reading leather bound books and conducting class. It's just it's it's just a I don't know. It's just a courtesy for maybe a, to attempt to get a donation. But to bring that up, that's like me saying, well, after I graduate, you know, after I got my Ph.D., I um, won a participation ribbon in the 1986 science fair for <laughs> Clark County, Nevada. Okay, what the hell? It's weird. I wonder if like that was something that his people told him to say or if he just riffed, like he just went off off script. You know, he went rogue because it just seems like such a weird thing to say. Well, but look, Joe Biden is a pathological liar. I mean, this is what sank his prospects back in 1988, his plagiarizing. So he has a pattern of lying, of taking credit for things he had nothing to do with. I mean, you see him, it's got to drive Obama crazy, which is great. You know, everything that happened in the Obama administration was because of Joe Biden's keen, you know, leadership and his ability to work with Republicans and get things done. And he's a doer, not a talker. And Obama gave him this and Obama gave him that. He talks about that all the time. But of course, he's already made up stories about some weird guy at a pool. Oh, what's that guy's name? Cracker Jack or something? Corn Pop. Corn Pop. So he he made up (laughs) a Corn Pop story. He completely made up a story that he was arrested trying to see Nelson Mandela in South Africa. And his campaign had to come out and, and walk that back, too. So it's just one lie after the other. Meanwhile, you know, Trump, the Washington Post claims Donald Trump has said, you know, like 700 gazillion lies. Just no in this thinks- hour, right? Like every hour. They're like, Trump has just lied 5,000 times in the last 60 minutes. Okay. <laughs> yep. But okay. Joe Biden can just claim he was arrested in South Africa and everybody's like, oh, God, Joe. That's and he is a Joe. And also, <clears throat> he is very handsy and, <clears throat> excuse me, he's never, no one ever asks him about no one no one ever calls him on that which is literally a sin in today's culture without redemption right you don't get to redeem yourself after that you're just you're you deserve to die alone like in a leper colony if you you get accused of a me too violation but But biden is fine such an empathetic person 
don't you understand that's why he has to smell baby's hair and he has to try to like feel up a 12 year old at you know grandma's swearing in ceremony i don't i don't know how this is going to play out with him on the ticket i there was a a piece in the atlantic i can't remember which blue check mark wrote it called joe joe biden all you need to do is stay alive or something and i'm like is that is that where you are now is this the is this the democrat position for 2020 is just a live human being just a live human being with a pulse barely even they should just have joe biden in like a white john travolta suit like shucking and jiving down the street to staying alive Ugh. like you can't tell by the way i use my walk i'm a well that would be appropriate (laughs) no kidding I don't know. Meanwhile, Biden, Bernie is ready for the debate. There's supposed to be a debate in April. There is scheduled another DNC debate in April. And Bernie is 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 up for it. And Biden's like, I think we've had enough debates. And I I really want this. I mean, in this in our lockdown, can you think of anything more entertaining than watching another debate with Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders? I mean, you, can we? How much fun can we possibly oh, have in a time of crisis? It's better than Netflix, Julie. Better than Netflix. Okay, it's, Liz. Here's a question, though. That's yes. kind of in the back of my mind. Are they just prolonging this so they have a reason, justification to cancel the Democratic National Convention in July, under the guise that this is in the best interest of the public's health, so they don't have to have this open airing between the Bernie Bros and the establishment DNC people prompt, prompting, you know, propping up Biden. And furthermore, you don't have this candidate out on a national stage with one gaffe, lie, yeah. story, et cetera, after another. I wouldn't be surprised because the Democrats are using this uh epidemic as an excuse to to get all sorts of wacky voting laws and regulations passed like everybody can mail in a ballot or you can text your vote or you can you know because it's too dangerous to go to a polling place people are uh counties and i mean states are changing their election dates so i i think that the democrats are the best at exploiting a tragedy and that's a bonus for them right because their plan was always to keep Biden out of the limelight as much as possible um, because every time he comes forward, he makes an ass out of himself. So I wouldn't be surprised, but when is the DNC? I think it's in August, right? I mean, we should, well, who knows? I, I think guess July. We, I, I think it's July. July. Mm-hmm. I think if we, if we open by Easter, you know, I don't, I don't think that there's any, and you know, it's summer. I think that'll affect the, the virus. Um, the weather will, uh, It'll be harder to, for them to keep exploiting the deaths and sicknesses to scare people than, yeah. And I don't think the Bernie bros are going to take it sitting down. Can you imagine if you're a Bernie bro and you drink the Bernie Kool-Aid and they're like, we're not having the DNC. We've just, we're just going to go ahead with it. We're just, <laughs> you know, we're just going to give it to Joe because he has the most. Oh my God. That, I, I don't, I don't see how that would end well. For them, that would piss them off more than whatever they were planning to do with the actual DNC. And plus, I do think there are Democrats that would get pissed off about that anyway. Just not even Bernie bros, but they might be like, well, wait a minute. But I I wouldn't be surprised if they're 
thinking that Cuomo's going to pop right in. And that's a whole nother world of hurt for them, not just from the Bernie bros, but I think for other people. So that's I right. don't know. It's it's going to be better than Netflix, whatever they have planned. Well, and if I have, I mean, we've all read this idea that somehow Cuomo is going to sneak in and, um, you know, steal the nomination or Biden will admit finally that he's too ill and too elderly and senile and infirm to go ahead with this campaign and how they hand it to Cuomo. I, I, I don't know how that works, but the DNC would be able to figure it out. Um, but if that doesn't happen and Biden sticks with this, he's going to be, I mean, he was in bad shape before he's going to be in no way prepared to take on Donald Trump after Labor Day, regardless of what's happening. In the well, economy. how's he going to how's he going to campaign? Right. Right. Like, I mean, assuming that let's just take the best case scenario for normalcy, he's going to have to go out on the road again and start campaigning. Right. What what's that going to look like? You can't. I guess he's going to give like a three minute speech and then vamoose out of his campaign rallies is that what he's going to do because you can't really give him an open mic for more than three or four minutes before he starts yeah before he starts talking about you know the rabbits or whatever is i don't i don't know how or insulting and attacking his uh attacking voters that seems like an odd or fighting or challenging them to like fight with him like to physically get in a fight with them or and tell him he doesn't want their vote. I, I, I mean, I, I don't. This is, the, I mean, the best possible um, situation for the Democrats is probably to cancel the DNC and just keep saying they can't campaign because it's too dangerous. Because every other option requires Biden to keep making public appearances. Meanwhile, you know, we're supposed to have like, again, the greatest, most contagious, deadliest pathogen that has ever been introduced on planet Earth. And we have this guy that doesn't know what state he's in, doesn't, you know, speaks gibberish about we have to have the cure so it can get rid of the cure. Remember that mumbo jumbo he said a couple of days ago? This yeah. guy can't form a complete sentence and we're supposed to turn everything over to him. While he's coughing, like, oh, every I know, he's like heard. and then Jake Tapper, like right. virtue signals and says, oh. you should be coughing into your elbow, sir. Oh, uh, and then he said, I learned that from your White House, actually, oh. covering your White House. Oh, OK, Jake, we'll go away. He's like, yeah, no, that I forgot that. Right. Every time Biden appears, he coughs every 10 seconds, which is also not particularly um confidence inspiring it remind it the, it reminds me of the contrast between trump when dr burke said that she had a low-grade fever and i thought he was going to jump out of his skin because he was like 10 feet away from her and i thought he's going to run off the stage because do you remember that press conference <laughs> dr burke's is like well i wasn't here on saturday because i woke up and i found i had a low-grade fever and i literally thought trump's orange face went white and i thought he was going to bail like dive into the crowd right. crowd surfing to get right. away from her he looked so scared but okay, meanwhile but I'm wondering, too, how many people have this, because I hear this, like the psychosomatic fever, right? So people are like, oh, my God, I had this. And I don't know if they took their temperature. They just felt hot. But, you know, you read these symptoms over and over. And then you're like, <coughs> yeah, oh, oh, God, I got it. Oh, I'm so achy. Wait, oh, it's 100 percent. As someone, I feel like I can speak authoritatively on this because I am actually am a hypochondriac. And so I really come from. I, I, I come at this from a position of great knowledge and power that, yes, 
if I, I have to stop reading coronavirus stuff because I start to panic and I start to think that like I have viral pneumonia and I have a temp- thermometer. Ace is like this too. We both are constantly taking our temperature, but we do it anyway. It's not, this is not new for us. We're like, I'm sick. And then we'll go, can you feel my head? Or he'll say, can you feel my head? And we look at each other <laughs> because we were both disappointed when the other one's like, no, it's not hot. You know, like, we're, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not kidding. This is true. But I do absolutely think that when you read, especially people who are in a state of panic and they're like the, the the um the 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 signs of of having the virus is headaches achiness okay well I'm 50 almost guess what that's every day for me I mean oh my hip aches my knee hurts uh oh that's actually every day but people read it and they it absolutely a hundred percent they start to think thinking that they're feeling those things you know that they're sweating that they have a fever that they they're sometimes you hear that people are nauseous sometimes um, they have a dry cough, which is also can just be a cough. <laughs> so I, I, I do. And that's why so many people are on social media complaining. They can't get a test because they call up their doctor and they're like, they're like, Oh, well, I, I sneezed a couple times and I think my head hurts. And the doctor's like, have you been to China? Do you know anybody who is sick or in the hospital? And right. they're like, no. And the doctor's like, well, then we're not going to give you a test. And people get upset. And I do think people panic and start thinking, I know I, I'll be the first in line to say <laughs> that if I see a medical show on television, I guarantee you that I will have that disease. Like, I'm like, I, okay, I have the Creutzfeldt syndrome, whatever, which is like mad cow disease. I'm like, yeah, I have that. If I, if I watch like a e, when ER was on, I'm like, oh yeah, I have that. Yep, that's, Seriously. Yeah. And see, I'm like the total opposite. Like my daughters will tell you I am the worst sick mom in the world well first of all I'm knocking I not I never get sick and second of all when they're sick I'm like you're fine and they're like mom I'm not fine I legit am puking I have 102 fever and I feel like I'm gonna die and I'm like just have some Gatorade power through it just power through it you need electrolytes so I'm like it's total opposite and they're whenever they're sick they're just like oh mom just go away just don't don't even come near me because you have no sympathy at all. I'm like, well, you know, if your pulse drops or you really feel like, you know, you're on the verge of death, then send me a text and I'll. Well, it, at, at this at this time in the you know progression of the of the disease shut down and everybody's forced online or yeah. onto Netflix or something. The, it the greatest thing will be to have coronavirus, right? Like all these celebrities that they're not getting the attention they're used to. So, so, I mean, a lot of people are like, well, ha- skeptical of some of them saying that they've, they've tested positive for it. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if people aren't, don't start saying they have this to get attention just because everyone is so focused on the internet right now, because that's the only, I guess, community that is left now that we've been robbed of real human contact. Um, I know it sounds cold, but well, but you do have, um, uh, I mean, I think last time I checked, and this is outside of New York City, like about nine in 10 people who are tested are negative. Yeah. So that means they're still going in, they're faking their symptoms, right? Or they're saying, or maybe they do have a fever, but it's flu or something else, just so they can get a test to see if they have it. Whatever. People are weird. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we've gone over, it's been a whole hour. So, we will be back next week. Hopefully, 
if everything doesn't, you know, disintegrate in the meantime. If you're not arrested, if I'm not arrested walking my dog, I'll if, we'll be back. If they don't throw Julie in jail because she's carrying a tennis racket and heading to the tennis courts, which everyone knows is just a hotbed of <laughs> contagions, then and since I'm a shut-in, I'm I'm safe because I don't go out anyway. But it, that would be amazing if I were to get in trouble for trying to find some toilet paper or something later in the week. But thank you for listening. You can subscribe on Blueberry and we will see you on Twitter and out on American Greatness. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.